attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. All right, Entree Architect community, welcome to the backstage area of Context and Clarity. Every Thursday afternoon on Context and Clarity Live, Catherine McPhail and I and our live audience talk with a special guest to search for clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect, no matter what your context is. You may be the employee of a firm dreaming of doing your own thing, or maybe you've had a firm for a year or 10 years or 20 years and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. Every week we cover topics that fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture, and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of architects just like you. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff Eccles, and what you're about to listen to is the audio recording of a conversation that my co-host Catherine McPhail and I had with a special guest. Or will it be guests? from the Context and Clarity community. All of this to break down last week's Context and Clarity live conversation. So thanks for joining us as we all share our biggest takeaways and look for ways to apply what we heard in the Context and Clarity live conversation to our own businesses. Let's get into it. All right. Welcome to the backstage area of the Context and Clarity Studios. This week on Context and Clarity Live, Catherine and I talked to Angela Donahoe, the Chief Executive Vision Officer of the Donahoe Group. And we wanted to know what our audience thought about that conversation with Angela. So we invited Gene Johnson and James Polk to join us today backstage. Jing is an architect and the founder of Prism Renderings in Houston, Texas. And James is an architect in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and the founder of James Ray Polk Architecture. So Jing and James, welcome backstage. Nice to be here. It is great to to have both of you here with us. Um, I thought it was a really interesting conversation that we just had with with, uh, Angela 
it was, we really kind of framed it up this week as talking about succession planning and the legacy, the future of your firm. But I thought really the, the very last uh, statement or so that Angela made, the way that, that she kind of wrapped it all up was, I think, so impactful and so important. You know, this idea of figuring out what it is that you just really love to do and finding a way to do that to 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 really focus on that part of the business. So that might have been my biggest takeaway of the whole the whole conversation. Uh, I said right after we got off the air that I I wasn't interested at all in this subject for the week. I thought there's no way I'm ever going to bother doing this and then after talking to her today, I'm rethinking that. Um I'm rethinking that because I hadn't really thought about it. I just felt overwhelmed with everything I have to do. But the idea of just doing stuff that I like and letting other people take care of the stuff that I don't like. And I don't know, maybe I'll maybe I'll look into it after all. So I thought well, she was really inspiring. I did. Yeah. And, you know, she shared the exercise that, that she and her father-in-law and her husband, the three partners at the Donahoe group, went through of, of essentially – naming and claiming the things they like to do and didn't like to do and so on. And, and Jing, I know you have, uh, you have a, a sizable staff and I know that, you know, from knowing you and knowing a little bit about your business, you're, you've been actively working on a succession plan. Uh, what was your biggest takeaway from the conversation with Donna or with, sorry, with Angela Donahoe? <laughs> I, I feel almost like cheated a little bit because I I am with the same mastermind group with Angela. So I'm familiar with her story, her journey. And uh, she always, you know, she's just a, such amazing, you know, young woman that has, uh, you know, just kind of, she was actually mentored before she joined the current firm uh, by another architect and she just jumping, you know, on the business side and love it and, and grow, learn, um, and then join this current firm and has been just tremendously in terms of managing the whole, you know, operations. So I'm, I just, I always admire her ability and her style. So actually, so I know about her story. Uh, for me, yeah, I, I think, you know, her, I agree with you about the state, her last statement is really about what you want, right? I always say that business is such a beautiful thing because you can do, you can be successful in so many different ways, different shape and form. Um, and uh, I think what we don't have usually is we don't know the options, you know, what options do we have, right? To be exposed to other firms, other, you know, um, you know, succession plan, you know, options. It could be a, such a great way to figure out what you want and then set a goal, set a path and then trying to achieve it, you know. Um, so for me, you know, why I started, I, there's no, I didn't expect I will start a rendering company, you know, 15 years ago, almost 16 years this month. Um, yeah, I do have uh, six uh, employees right now. Overall, I hired more than 10 uh, employees and all moms. So my, my mission is not just helping more clients and you know, uh, create more projects, but also helping more moms with uh, small children have that flexibility. So um, yeah, I, 
the, 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 it's a great timing because uh, I had, uh, I think five years ago, I started thinking about uh, have the business, how do I have the business can go beyond me, you know, sustainable, transferable, you know, and, um, and that's why I had started having the thought. So then I got to start reading the books got, you know, follow up a couple of podcasts to just learn about the options, you know, what we, I can do. So five years ago, I start to, you know, have a thought that this is the business I want to pass to my staff. Um, and then three, three days ago, I mean, three weeks ago, <laughs> I finally take that first step to, I've been working with the consultant uh, for a couple of years now. So we took the first step to show by four of my key employees, this is the path we are going. Uh, we are starting the first step. And the goal is to, um, in 10 years, I'm going to step down, um, you know, as a, uh, from day-to-day -day you know, operations and they are going to take over. Um, so I'm just super excited that we finally get to this point. <laughs> yeah. Well, so congratulations on all of that, first of all. Um, and it, it reminds me that I think early in the conversation with, with Angela, she, she, she said, well, you know, your legacy doesn't have to be this succession plan necessarily, or this, this next generation of, of employees. It could simply be your your impact. And I, I think you've got all of that, you know, wrapped up into one, obviously. I mean, you've got, um, you know, you're, you're working, as you just said, on, on the transition right now, but also the impact on the, on the, um, the moms, the young moms who are your employees. I think that's a fantastic, uh, mission. I've always admired that, uh, in what you're doing there. James, you've, um, you know, I know, from t our conversations on Clubhouse this week that you've thought about, you know, this topic and, and you've gone through some iterations uh, in your own firm. What, after yeah. listening to Angela tonight, um, what are, what's your biggest takeaway in terms of, you know, your future or legacy or, or, or any of those topics? Well, first of all, I think, um, the 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 thing about it is when you come into the profession you're a, a young aspiring architect architect intern and you're on the path um, uh, to be an architect have your own firm uh, that I think that was that's always that's sort of a romantic notion a lot of us have is is have a firm go out there and do our thing and the thing about it is when you're young you you have a certain perspective you're looking at it from the sunrise perspective everything that you're seeing is there's there's a lot of time there's there's a lot of opportunity uh, all of the energy goes into uh, making your way making your path get uh, uh, meeting your goals and um, it's it's it seems seems that it's it's kind of almost kind of an unnatural uh, thing to do to start out with the idea that how am I going to transition into retirement? That's the last thing that I thought about. 
so uh, uh, go into uh, just uh, yeah, talking about uh, the 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 re. Well, it wasn't so much rebranding. It was because I, I had gone by my name and uh, 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 James Ray Polk architect. Uh, and uh, I got to a point in the uh, in the uh, uh, say 15 years ago or so. Um, I, I, I was thinking about um, uh, expansion in areas that weren't uh, 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 my own touching touching it so james ray polk is not touching it okay let's let's build this into an organism where uh the 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 ethic that or the spirit of what i'm trying to do gets spread across an organization and the systems get developed so i don't have to be working on everything and this was sort of a mid-career thing, I guess, uh, 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 sort of uh, uh, starting to look at my own, not necessarily mortality, but uh, my, my own, um, uh, just the, the, the scaling, scaling what, what I do. Because if I'm touching everything, it's, it's not scalable. So I, uh, I and, and I've been involved in sustainability forever, passive environmental forever. Uh, some active environmental as as well along the way, but uh, but uh, I was doing a lot of uh, of uh, green uh, design at the time, and uh, and that was uh, what I was trying to foster. And so I changed the name to Eco Design from James Ray Polk Architect to Eco Design, with the idea that there would be a bunch of James Poults are a bunch of a bunch of architects doing green, sustainable design, and the sort of and 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 so it's scalable. Well, I I think it, it had it seemed to have an adverse effect on my own brand because when my name left, um, I, I started get, getting less phone calls when I, when it went in the phone book as eco design and uh, on the internet as eco design well where's james polk i guess he retired i guess because he's in the caribbean now uh, uh i can't can't use him better call his competitor uh so uh it just fell flat it really fell flat i don't know if it was the the time or the, the 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 timing of it or the place that i live very conservative south mississippi uh, or if it was just a dumb idea to begin with uh, to to do that. So I'm not sure <clears throat> what happened there. But now fast forward. So I went back to James Ray Polk Architect <clears throat> and I also went back to focusing on my own craft of doing it and touching everything and taking less projects, but doing it myself. Well, um, um, fast forward now, I'm now engaged because of not just because of this week but but uh in the lead up uh uh to the last year and a half i'm thinking about what would yeah about succession all right and it seems that it has to do with the with uh number one the design of how you go about um branding and marketing, 
but also the right people and how to how to get the right people that's a that's that's a Ouija board maybe I don't know you know I've thought I've hired I've I've had probably 70 employees over my career 70 to 75 I throw a dart at a dartboard blindfolded uh, you just cannot cannot tell um, <clears throat> you sort of think yeah but but I but I but now I do have um, uh, uh, I have staff and I do have a certain degree of confidence that uh, that uh, there could be some kind of legacy uh, participation there and now it's a matter of well how do I design this so that it's an organism not James Ray Polk architect but how do I shift this and the shift takes years I think Angela said that the the shift takes years how do I reorganize this so that uh, people uh, who are coming into the firm uh, can have a career path that takes them uh, to uh, to a more uh, to, to, to ownership to ownership uh, and so I'm thinking about the 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 name change is a big one and I think I mentioned too on Clubhouse that for me it's an emotional thing because it's been the name and the name has resonated and I built that brand. Do I want to give that up? <clears throat> and maybe, frankly, that was probably some of the issue on the eco design because I was never totally comfortable with that. Um, so now I'm 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 looking for a name, Dove, but Dove, but but dovetailing that name into the vision of the firm and that vision exists with or without me so where that's going and i've got a cup i've got three i've identified three areas multiple tracks i mean at least it's not a thousand areas but it's three areas that of uh, path paths uh, uh custom homes for musicians uh, mixed use, uh, 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 community building projects and, uh, tiny houses, ADUs and tiny house communities. So those are my paths. Now I can't say that if one of those doesn't sort of sparkler out everything else, that that might not be one path, but that starts to help me think, well, okay the musician houses for musicians let's okay someone can take that on who knows uh, that sort of genre custom residential sound studios etc and people that come on board who are specialists in that area well maybe they're the next leader of that part of the firm which may or may not include me but it has another name so all to, okay bringing this all back around i you know i uh i've just i've started thinking about it just recently i'm not i can't i'm not ready to retire i don't know that i'll ever completely retire but um but but the but but i'm thinking about it structurally and um uh not just um not just, hey, is there anybody out there that wants to take my firm, but what does the firm need to be in order for people to take that over? Yeah, I, I think that was an interesting um, 
dynamic maybe of the conversation with Angela, or maybe maybe it was a conversation that was going on in my head as we were talking to her, and I was I was trying to kind of parse the information, but the intentionality, you know, we we discovered this week as we've talked in the various uh, versions of of context and clarity that there are plenty of people in this community, in the small firm community, and and I don't believe it's just architects. I think this is a small business thing. Um, that either don't intend to have not thought about it or not planning to, or, you know, they're not, you know, they're not working intentionally towards whatever the the next thing is for their firm. And so to, to hear about almost sort of some accidental succession planning or, Hey, I found somebody that might be, might come in to, um, you know, might be a great future owner or partner or something like that. And I, you know, and again, I've, I've said this over and over this week, no judgment. If you say, Hey, I'm, I'm doing my thing. And when I'm, when I retire, I retire, but suddenly you find somebody that might be a great partner to come in. I think that's, um, I, I think that's fine. But Gene, you've, you've been very intentional, but I wonder at what point, did that start? Did it, did, was there sort of an epiphany one day or is this a, you know, a plan that you've been, really been thinking about for a long time? I would, I have been involved with Vestige, um, you know, uh, group. So, you know, all the business owners are talking about exit strategy, right? You know, I start a business as a, a lot of architects as like a lifestyle business because I had two young children and I was struggling with architecture. I was working in a big firm that, you know, flexibility issue. That's how I, you know, uh, had the idea start the business. And um, I think, you know, one is exit strategy. The other one is one I was thinking about, you know, I, I, I'm really grateful for my team, right? Um, I, I started the business run for a few years, but they are the one coming, help me grow the business, right? So I, I just want to, you know, I feel grateful. I want to find a way to reward them. Uh, you know, I always have a, you know, profit sharing, have a great benefit, everything else. But I just thought, you know, um, what I learned is that most of the people are not good, good at or want to start a business, the crazy people start business, right? <laughs> We're just like a different kind. And, uh, but a lot of people are good at grow the business for the founders. So you just need to find the people who are willing to, um, because that was a bigger reveal three weeks ago when I had my consultant and me sit down with our team, the four key employees and show them that this is the, uh, the path we are going. This is the benefit, pretty much have no downside for them. You know, uh, our plan put together. So they basically have a second, they have an option in 10 years to choose to become the owner. Um, and then we have enough funding to support that transition. And also if they, don't, they choose not to take over as a business owner, they can have a secondary, you know, 401k. Uh, ready for them. So, you know, the way they set up is really very cool, you know, um, plan. So I think, you know, for me, it's just really trying to find a way to reward 
my team. And, uh, and I think, you know, now, uh, for example, my parents are, you know, the late 80s, if I need to go back to China, you know, for a stay for three months, you know, if some, you know, I need to do that, the business will run as usual, right? I, I'm, uh, I'm still very much into in the business and I'm still managing certain projects, um, things like that. But, you know, we have a great system. You know, if I have to step away a few, you know, a couple of weeks or month, then, you know, we won't, the business won't get hit, right? It will run. But that's the thing is that we want that stability for our clients too. We have some very long time clients. They, 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 they need to rely on us on certain, you know, projects. And uh, we want to be, you know, uh, be available to, to, to support them, serve them. And in the meantime, our team members, they are all very humble. They, they, they are hard worker, but they are not business, you know, starter, right? So uh, for them to have the opportunity to have already have some, somebody start a business, have the foundation, they can run and, and improve and, and grow it. And it's just like a win-win-win, you know, for, for me, for my team, for my clients. Uh, I just feel like, you know, this is a great, you know, a path for us to walk through together. Yeah, I, I think that takes me back to I, the biggest takeaway or one of the biggest takeaways is, you know, this idea of balance and having me in in the spot where I want to be doing the things that I want to be and, and the other, the other teammates, whoever they are playing, playing their appropriate roles. And that was, it was interesting to hear Angela talk about the balance between, you know, her and her husband and her father-in-law with the different personality types and approaches. Um, so that, yeah. that, sorry, go ahead, Catherine. Oh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, Jeff, but I was just, um, I was, when I asked her about how do you hire, if you're thinking of bringing someone on who is uh, an appropriate person, how do you really know? And then that kind of reminded me of the question that people talked about this morning, having been strung along in certain firms, like, oh, you're going to take over for me. So they end up doing, you know, more than their share, thinking that they're going to own the business someday, and then they don't. So how do you how do you find somebody without saying, hey, I'd like to, I'd like you to take over my firm, and then you decide, actually, you're not the person I want to have take over my firm or whatever happens. I mean, how do you get those people in place is kind of what I was thinking about as she was talking. So yeah, I mean, I don't think you can promise anybody, you know, because you got to know them, trust them, you know, grow when you work yeah. with them. You have that uh, certain trust, you, you know, they were like, I always tell my team that I just I'm 100%. I said, well, I'm not a, a, here uh, that you need to make a decision. I trust you guys, you know, ladies, you know, 100% in terms of integrity. I know we might have a different difference difference, you know, in terms of the tactic, you know, uh, issues, but that's okay. As long as the principle is correct, I, I'm totally fine. So, so they know I trust them, but not everybody wants to be, that's the thing about the, our succession plan too. Uh, my consultant always tell me the same, same thing. Not everybody wants to be the, I mean, the, 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 the owner, they can, they want to, they, they want to work hard and grow the business with you, but they can just get a profit share that they are happy about it. Because as a business owner, you have to take a certain risk, you know, uh, they don't have to take the biggest risk, which is the founder. You know, we, we took the biggest risk 
But now is we we find all kinds of ways to have a system to minimize that risk, you know, in the business. So we are, you know, right now it's pretty, you know, minimum in terms of risk, right? But still, everybody has need to you need to give them the choice that you you can be a great team, team member, but you don't you know if you don't want to go to the you know uh, the owner's route, it's okay. Um, and uh, fortunately, all five, all four of them, them, you know, were really grateful for the opportunity, and they all said yes. So, um, you know, this is a, I, I just think you know people need to know uh, what options there are. They have if they have the opportunity to grow a business, become part of it, you know, and we can offer it. That's that for me is a legacy I want to leave behind. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's an important realization. You know, again, I, I I wondered as we were coming into this week of, hey, we're going to talk about succession planning all week or legacy or, you know, how, how this was going to go over with the community and found out really quickly that there are a lot of people that would be perfectly happy if, if their firm ends. And, and Angela made it, again, she made an important distinction. Your legacy is not necessarily the next generation of owners, right? It could be your mentoring people and, and things like that. But, um, but I, I think that's what you were just talking about, Gene, is a, a good illustration that just like there are people that don't aspire for their firm to continue, uh, there are plenty of people that, that are not the crazy people that are that are not the business starters. Don't want to be the business owner necessarily. Don't want the responsibilities, the right. everything that comes with it. So that's a great point, James. I know um, you and Catherine both have a hard stop. So um, you know, Gene, I may just continue this conversation after you guys are gone, but, 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 uh, um, okay. as, as you're thinking about what's, what's next. And I know, you know, you talked about a lot of plans. Um, is, is there a way for you to kind of summarize, summarize your biggest takeaway from the conversation? Um, I think, Probably the biggest, the, 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 the common denominator might be uh, building relationships. Well, if, if, if there's a, a, a succession in the firm, it has to be someone you know and trust or I don't think it, it can work. And um, uh, finding those people, uh, having them be around for a long enough time to, as your understudy or uh, just getting to know them or as a partner or however, to make that decision. Uh, it really seems like the successful uh, succession plan depends on good relationships and good communication and uh, set uh, being honest about expectations up front. Um, uh, yeah, I, I know an architect who uh, in town, he went to, to work as a young architect for an established guy here and 
the guy said, hey, I'll, I'll make you partner. And he worked there maybe 20 years and never, never was gonna make partner. And um, at, at some point he, he, he bailed and did his, did his own thing. Uh, but that clear communication, clear, honest communication, uh, you can't, you can't know everything and you can't, you can't promise everything, but maybe the thing is, Hey, come spend a little time here and, um, let's explore, uh, uh, this because it really takes the right people. It's not, it's not, it's not just a transaction with what we're working with. It's not, uh, uh, just, uh, do the numbers. And if it works out, do it. There, there's a, a lot of passion, uh, uh, tied up a lot of passion and personal ambition and pride wrapped up in the whole thing. And, uh, you know, you don't don't want it to necessarily be like a, a CRS where somebody takes over the firm that has a completely different mission and CRS was ended, I mean, died because the wrong succession plan went into place, wrong priorities after the deal was done. So I think probably uh, just being honest and upfront and uh, and communicating and developing the right relationship. And probably if the right relationships aren't there, probably best to just close the doors and and that's it. More so than, I mean, I can see it could go terribly wrong with the wrong people. So my that's my takeaway, relationships and communication. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. I mean, it, it, um, and several people did bring up this idea of, and I forgot who asked the question during, during the live session about, uh, actually, I think that came from this morning, didn't it? From, from clubhouse about from uh, Jay and Chris, maybe about people being strung along. Um, I've seen a lot of examples of that, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. My husband went through that himself. So I know how that goes. And I also uh, follow up James, uh, you know, trust, you as a business owner need to show trust first. You know, we in our society, we always talk about, you know, you have to prove yourself to earn that trust, right? So for me, I, I, I pretty much, you know, trust them first, I need to trust my team members first. So I have an open book policy, they know exactly how we are doing. When you open up your checkbooks, you 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 lay trust on that somebody. Not only you show them you trust them, but it also they understand how we are performing as a business, you know, financial side and every you know aspect. We track everything, we show them exactly where we are every week. So it just empower them to, they, they already, my team already think like owner, you know, for several years now, because we have the system to enable them to, and to, to you know, to um, act, think like business owners. And they, um, I think sometimes they are even more uh, strict uh, in terms of budget, you know, spending, you know, we don't have to do this, you know, this is another way we can do it better with it less cost, you know, they are just much more uh, proactive in terms of uh, just not just tell them, you know, do what you tell them to do. 
So that's, I think that's another thing. I, I think uh, as a business owner, you need to trust them, trust your. Right, you know, the, the best way to learn if someone is trustworthy is to trust them. And then you'll find out real quickly. So that is that is true. Yeah, you got you got to lead with trust. Okay, so I do need to uh, check out here uh, pretty directly. But uh, one quick story about a, su a succession plan gone wrong. Uh, my college roommate uh, uh, Marty uh, was just a whiz at is I guess still, but was a whiz at uh, drawing and. Uh, hand drawing and uh, as a young architect in a in a uh, an older legacy firm there were four partners all in their 60s and uh, they were holding everything in the firm uh, fairly tight to the vest uh, uh, marty wanted to uh, do some design work and he wanted to be a part of the firm and he wanted to eventually be part of the ownership in the firm because he could see these guys in their 60s they're going to be retiring I get a few years in here I can be on that path so so he took the initiative that they had a school project a big school project and it was starting at a certain date and that date was like three months away and that was the date that they were starting on the project uh, so he uh, uh, in his on his own time designed the whole school, had plans, elevations, sections, section perspectives, uh, built a model. And the week before they were scheduled to start on the project, he goes in early on a Monday morning and he uh, paced up on the conference room. He said, he told me he had every square inch of the conference room filled with drawings and he invited all the partners in. And so he said, I want to just show you my commitment to this firm. I want to be a part of this firm and going into the future. And I designed this whole uh, school and let me take you through the school here, here, and here's the model and here's the section perspectives and all of this. And he said, everybody sat around stone faced and uh, got to the end questions comments nothing they said uh, thank you very much and they got up and left and he didn't get any reaction that whole morning and they called him in after lunch and fired him wow. pack your stuff and leave wow. I, I can only imagine that that firm folded and just at some point lock the doors because that sort of mentality is the opposite of legacy planning. Well, but you know what, as a firm owner, and if you had a school coming up, would you, how would you react if then someone had just designed the whole school? I mean, what are you going to say to that person? Like, that's not what, that's not the way it's going to go. But even though I understand his enthusiasm and everything, I, can understand. I, th I think it was the, the thing that impressed me was the enthusiasm. And if I had uh, a someone enthusiastic like that, I, I would at least uh, say, hey, let's let's talk. Yeah, uh, I, I, th I think. But uh, it's just me. So I got to check out now. But uh, 
hopefully something I've said has been helpful. We'll see you, James. Yeah, thanks for joining us, James. Um, great insights, great story, unfortunately, there at the end. But uh, we really appreciate you joining us and and uh, enjoy your uh, mandolin lessons here, your mandolin concert, in-house concert, and uh, we'll, we will uh, see you soon. Maybe we'll continue this conversation for a few minutes. I know, Catherine, you've got a you've got to uh, check out here momentarily as yeah, well. Bounce, as I like to say, I got to bounce again. I got rehearsal today, so uh, well, that's, rehearsal. That's, that's what the, skip it. Yeah, that's anyway, what the but, cool kids say. <laughs> I know because you know. Anyway, so bye, Jane. Bye, Jeff. It was it was fun. Yeah. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. Yeah, Have you fun. Will. See you soon. Uh, I think, um, I don't even know what to think about that, that story. I, I, I had a feeling I knew where that was headed. Um, that's not the way I would handle it if I were the bosses, but I did, I did want to, I was wondering, cause I think you could tell where the story was headed. I was wondering if they had already made that decision, right? If there was already trouble or, or if they really were that offended that somebody took that kind of initiative, I can't even imagine, um, you know, that sort of scenario, but I suppose it's possible. Well, everything, I think, you know, uh, in terms of those kind of, um, events is the miscommunication, right? You know, uh, his friend has no idea what the, you know, expectation from his boss and vice versa. You know, something going, you know, something totally disconnected <laughs> between two parties. Yeah. yeah I, I think that's exactly right. I think that is exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's interesting, you know, bringing it back to the conversation with Angela, it's interesting mm -hmm. because you've got um, and, and for those of you who are listening to this, I'd encourage you to go back to the Entree Architect podcast. Uh, Mark R. LePage interviewed Angela about a year ago. I think it's episode 379. Um, I it's more and, recently. I thought it's more recent. I, I listened to that just like maybe three months ago. Well, I thought maybe it was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it could could have been. Uh, I you know this. It, I have completely lost track of the calendar and time right. over the last eighteen uh, months. I I don't even know what what month this is, but uh, but I do think it was three seventy nine was the episode. So it's easy enough to search that. Um, and it's really Angela tells the whole backstory. You know, going back to college and and then starting uh, starting work and. You know, she was the the girlfriend, I guess, at the time, and then fiance, and 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 eventually uh, uh, wife. If there's if you haven't caught on, if you're listening to this and you haven't caught on, she's partners with her husband and her father-in-law in this firm in in central New York. And you know, she talked about the trepidation of going into this um, uh, this partnership. Uh, she talked about that today as well. But I, I, I think you're exactly right. I don't think there's any way that they've survived this process that's been going on for about 10 years now without really great communication. Mm -hmm. I mean, she and uh, her father-in-law was very clear at the beginning, just 
you know, this is a personal and business side. If you, if it doesn't work, you know, if you break up with my son, you know, you're not going to be able to stay in a business, you know, because it's just going to be too hard for, I mean, he's he laid out a pretty clear, you know, mm-hmm. boundary, you know, at the beginning, I, I can't imagine, you know, um, if they don't have a really good personal relationship, they can make it work because family business can be, totally different level of dynamics you know you are talking about the you know emotional side or personal relationship um you know is even more complicated than uh just regular you know businesses uh so the way they handle i just feel like they they handle everything so well because they trust one another um and i mean she you know she's just so articulate she's smart and she you know uh, yeah it's it's a it's a great uh, business model they have it there and they already uh, work through you know the whole uh, succession plan um, just uh, yeah I mean they have a great model over there for sure yeah yeah I agree and, and I think you know for anybody that's listening um, you know they're that's a unique situation, right? It was, um, right now it's, it's father as the, you know, as the founder of the firm and, and son and, and daughter-in-law as the three partners. Of course, that's a what, somewhat unique. There, there are plenty of family owned. The first firm that I worked for out of college was a fourth generation family owned firm. Um, so the, the, those family owned firms, do exist certainly, um, but that's a different dynamic than than your company, right? You're yeah. you're um, uh, setting up the succession plan, this transition right now, and you're not family. Uh, and I know there are others in the in the context and clarity community that um, are going through different succession su- um, scenarios that are even even different than what you have or what Angela has. So there's all different all different ways to look at this. And um, um, hopefully one of the things that everybody can get out of this is is just to to maybe be more purposeful about the way you're doing business and thinking about the future of your firm, whether you think today, um, yeah, I would like this to continue. Right, I've I've said several times during the week. I've never had any intention that my company um, is going to extend beyond me. You know, my my last day of doing whatever it is I'm going to be doing is is basically the last day of the company. But um, but I hope that we can all take away maybe more purposeful approach to the future and and maybe a more open mind for the future. I guess. I think it's uh, exposed you. I mean, it's totally okay. You just have your firm. You want to close the door when you decide to retire. Totally fine. But look at all the options, right, Mm -hmm. before you make that decision. And um, I was told that uh, 10 years is the best time. You know, you you plan ahead. Most of, uh, you know, business owners don't have that. They usually, they burn out. They, they, you know, a couple of years before they want to exit, you know, it's too late to you know, build out the system, find the successors. And it just, um, yeah, if, if everybody can just have an open mind to look at it, all kinds of options and decide, you know, this is the path you want to go, 
and just plan ahead and identify the you know the system, the personnel to go to you know achieve that goal. Um, wherever the years, at least three five years, as was I was told, at least three five years. But ten years will be ideal, right? Yeah, I, I think that's a really important point. Um, and again, whether this is sort of an accidental secession plan or whatever it is, it's um, there's there's very rarely, even even in the world of mergers and acquisitions, a buyout or um, you know you're merging with somebody. That's that's almost never you know sort of a flip the switch sudden thing. It, it takes some uh, it takes some time and. Uh, you know, Angela mentioned that her father-in-law took her and her husband to these meetings to meet the mm-hmm. clients and meet these relationships. And that there's actually somebody um, that I'm working with right now that is suffering from that a little bit, right? The There's this sort of quick transition that's mm-hmm. happening and they really lose the benefit of the evolution and of of the um, sort of not only the transition of power, I don't know that that's the right way to say it, but but definitely the transition of all the relationships. I mean, we're all in relationship based businesses and reputation based businesses, and um, the thought of oh well, I can just sell this and walk away, um, or hand this off and and walk away tomorrow. Uh, is is completely unrealistic in terms of setting that firm up for success in the future. And also, Jeff, there's also a practical side of uh, trans, trans, transition, and obviously important. It's important to have that relationship, you know, with the client, your clients, and consultants and vendors, you know, to continue the business. But also, a lot of times you. Uh, architecture firms when you do the transition you have to buy into the ownership and so very few people would have that chunk of money or they even have to get a loan or they have to you know um, come up the you know different ways to come up with the money so if you plan ahead like we what we are doing right now is we have a budget we have an annual you know product um we have the whole calculation about, you know, how much money we can put it away from profit to set up, you know, uh, so 10 years from now on, we will have enough funding to get me out, you know, for the most part, and also uh, not impact the business operations and not uh, put our, you know, uh, next generation leaders into any financial, you know, um, danger. Um, so that's another, you know, way uh, benefit to plan ahead. So you will ha- you will be ready and have a smooth, you know, transition instead of just like a very uh, hectic, you know, um, sudden <laughs> transition. Yeah, that, that's a that's a great point. It really is. It, it um, that's you know you're talking about owners burning out or, you know, whatever, whatever's happening right in their lives. And, and, and they have this realization a short time before when they decide that they want to be out. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, they they look around the studio and they go, there's nobody in the studio that can write a check and, and buy me out today. So they're, you know, they, they get tied to 
the future sustainability and success of this firm for often, like you said, often 10 years. Um, so, you know, you've got to, you've got to keep those things in mind. It, it's, um, all, all of that works in, uh, in, in both directions there. And I really admire what you're doing with, with your organization there. Um, you're, you're really, you're doing a lot of great planning and, and you're, uh, you're very, um, very kind in the way that you're focused on your employees and their futures. And, um, I have no doubt that, um, that, that, that is going to, um, pay for, pay for itself is definitely not the right way to say it, but it's going to, it's really going to benefit everybody in the long run. Um, And I do want to point out, Jeff, is that um, I'm also very transparent in terms of there's always option. Let's say uh, if we uh, plan 10 years succession plan, however, in year eight, because we develop such a good reputation and system, you know, basically cash flow, you know, generator, right? Uh, if we have a, if there's a company, a strategic buyer, right? That's the highest form of uh, acquisition. If you can find a strategic buyer, you always have a higher multiplies and have a much better, you know, integration. So I, I'm open to my team because I do say, as I told them that if that ever happened, you know, if somebody offered a really good price and a really good uh, help can help us to even grow to an even better, you know, uh, position because the platform, I'm open to that too. But because uh, we, we set up a plan now, they will be benefit from that cell as well. So and they will, uh, I can in the position, you know, to negotiate a really good, you know, uh, deals for them as well, just so they can financially benefit from it and also have another uh, even brighter future, you know, so we, we don't have ever have to sell, right? You know, that's the thing is, when you are not desperate rate to sell, then you always get a better, (laughs) you know, and so that's the thing is that we always, you know, uh, we we are set uh, to have them take over. However, if there's a uh, a really great, um, you know, strategic buyer show up and then, you know, benefits everybody, then we, we are not just saying you have to go this route. You know, you, I think when you run a really good, successful business, you don't wor- ever worry about the options because you have so many of them. You can choose and pick and choose. Um, is when you your business, your book is not clear or you don't have a system to replicate your, your success or you don't have a personnel to sustain your, your, your business, that's, you, you can never get a good deal, right? That's is a sad thing is that a lot of business owners, when they trying to, you know, retire or, you know, they find out their business doesn't really worth much is because they don't have those systems and, and personnel in place. Yeah, that, I think that's an excellent point too. You know, and this this has come up a couple of times this week. You know, what's uh, well, it came up in the conversation. You know, what's the value of the firm? Well, um, you know, without these systems in place and all those things that you just listed off, honestly, there's not much value there, right? Um, someone or not someone, several people have brought up um, 
Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth, mm-hmm. um, a few times this week. And by the way, for those of you that are uh, Context and Clarity fans, we're going to talk to Michael Gerber on Context and Clarity Live, I think December 9th, off the top of my head. I don't have the spreadsheet open right now, but um, but having those things in place, like you said, and, and I think also, you know, coming all the way back around, maybe to the very beginning of our conversation, and the last thing that Angela talked about uh, today was this idea of being able to focus on um, the the you know the the reason that you're in business, the thing or the reason that you started the business, the things that you really love about the business. Um, again, I think that's so important for your for your success and your happiness, your probably your mental health certainly. Um, and then building the systems around that to take those other things away as much as possible, you know, have, be able to delegate or contract out or whatever form it takes. Um, if you, if you were to do that, right, if you were able to, if you were to take Angela's advice and do that, then all of a sudden you start to be in the position like you're talking about where you have options, you know, you have systems and you have, have all of these things that, uh, denote value in, in your firm and in your organization. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty incredible how, how she kind of summarized it there at the end. And I think it um, it, uh, ties really well with, with what, uh, in, in your experience and what you were just talking about too. Well, with that, uh, everybody, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for hanging on for this backstage, backstage with Jing and I after Catherine and and uh, James had to go off to their musical careers. Um, uh, great to have you with us, Jing, for this backstage. Really appreciate all of your takeaways um, and your uh, uh, your being a part of this community. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. Yeah, it's great, great having you here, and and for sharing you know, so transparently what, what you're doing with uh, prism rendering. So thanks uh, for that as well. And for all of you out there in, in podcast land, thanks for listening to this. Um, of course, we will be back next week with a, uh, the next context and clarity live. So next Monday, as we're recording this right now, um, context and clarity live will be uh, simulcast at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Entree Architect Community Facebook page, uh, on LinkedIn, on YouTube, and on Twitch. And our guest next week will be Scott Reynolds, the founder of Upcodes. So we're going to be talking about uh, codes and the future of codes and accessibility of codes next week. So I hope you'll join us for that live. And if, if you are strictly podcast only, then next week uh, uh, after that conversation, the podcast version of our uh, our talk with Scott will come out. And the day after, our Context and Clarity backstage, where just like we've done tonight, we'll have a guest or guests join us to uh, break down the conversation, talk about our biggest takeaways and applications for that conversation with Scott. So again, thanks everybody. Really appreciate you joining us and all of your support of the uh, Context and Clarity community. So uh, have a great evening, Gene, and uh, everybody out there. And I hope uh, for all of you that I'll see you somewhere sometime soon. Thanks everybody. Thank you, Jeff.
All right. Well, now you know what we thought and what we're going to do with what we learned. But what did you think? What did we miss? I really hope that there was some big takeaway from the Context and Clarity live conversation or from our breakdown right here that will help you with your business. DM me on Instagram or on Twitter and let me know what your takeaways were. You can find me on all the socials at Jeff underscore Eccles. So send me a message and let me know what your takeaway was. And if you want more conversations like this, subscribe to the Context and Clarity podcast and leave us an honest review and rating. Those things really help us to get the message out and help us to help more architects just like you. Oh, and follow Context and Clarity on Instagram as well. There you can get a heads up on everything that's coming up. In our next episode, Catherine and I will host Context and Clarity live again with a new special guest and a new theme for next week. There's always something new to look forward to. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment. And it's also the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And finally, if the topic of today's episode is of particular interest to you and you'd like to dig deeper into it, then join me over in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take topics just like this and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community and your practice and how you can support those around you. Catherine and I will be back for our next episode, and in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context may be. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always 
questioning like us can we do this are we ready to do this are we prepared can we do it did we just decide a name <laughs> we did it guys oh the one that God. came out of nowhere Woo! it came out of nowhere i liked it i saw it ready to turn your aspirations into reality follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to emerging and chart your own path to architectural success